This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code GEEKY. The Incomparable, number 193, May 2014. Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell. Uh, And tonight we're going to discuss some news of note, something that just happened the other day as we record this, which is the cast of Star Wars Episode Seven was announced. So this is another installment on our run-up to the new Star Wars movies. We did that episode when Disney bought Star Wars and announced there would be an Episode Seven, where we all just sort of were shell-shocked and going, what? This is happening? And now we know even more about it, and I think there's some interesting wrinkles to this, so I thought it was worth spending a little bit of time talking about it. And also, this is not a bad week to do a Star Wars episode since um, that uh, most commercial Hallmark holiday of Force-based holidays, May the 4th, is coming up. Although I think we're posting this episode on May the 3rd, so may the 3rd be with you. Anyway, here are my guests to talk about Star Wars things. India Nutko, hello. Hello. Now, do you open your presents May the, may the, the 4th be uh, Star Wars Day Eve or Star Wars Day Day? I like to open one on on the evening of May the 3rd, and then we save the rest of them for May the 4th. It's just it's so hard to get the kids wound down and to bed after the excitement of opening a present. That's all. Hmm. Good, good to know. Good, good point. I, I like what you're. I like what you're saying there. Dan Morin is also here. Hello. I, uh, you know, totally invented May the Fourth by the Dantooine greeting card company, and I really couldn't be more upset about it. Just totally takes all the all the joy and love out of May the Fourth. Yeah. Hi. It, it's nice to be here, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Keep the May Parker in May the Fourth. That's what I say. Wow. You're crossing the streams. That's extra confusing. And They're all Sir- owned by Disney. <laughs> Sir- and Serenity Caldwell is also out there. Hello. Hi. I'm going to be sleeping on May the 4th because hopefully we'll have just won a roller derby game. So may the 4th be merry and, <laughs> and sleep-filled. Have a merry May the 4th. Yes. Can you celebrate May the 4th when you're in Canada? I don't know if that's a thing. No, the Canadians celebrate May the 4th early. They celebrate it in uh, April, like April 20th. Okay. Oh, yeah, that we've already missed it. Oh, yeah. Well. And Lisa Schmeiser is here. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you? You, I know you love casting, and so... I do, I do. It's I true. That makes it. <laughs> that makes this extra exciting. Uh-huh. And John Syracuse, of course. We wouldn't do an episode without him, although we almost did, but he he's here. Hi, John. I arrived at the appointed time. Yeah, that's... <laughs> That's what you say. May the may the third be with you, or something like that. Okay, so episode seven, it uh, it's happening. We already covered that, and now um, now we have cast members. Um, so so first off, we've got as as rumored as suggested, we've got Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and Mark Hamill all back. But they're playing each other's roles, so it's really just kind of an interesting <laughs> exercise. That's a mistake, don't you? Harrison Ford as Princess Leia. Yeah, I, I think he'll rock the braids. I, yeah. I, I, I agree. He's already got the earring. I read, I read that they're going <laughs> to be doing an Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart thing where they keep swapping roles every other day of shooting. 
just to keep it live. Interesting. Oh, is Ian McKellen in this one? Because I sort of feel like he doesn't have a lock on enough science fiction franchises yet. <laughs> there, no, has they, to be an e- there has to be an EGOT for fantasy franchises so that he can he can mm-hmm. win it. Because at this point, he's got the X Men. He's got the he's got the Lord of the Rings thing going on. Yeah, um, why not? Or you know, you could throw a bone to poor Sean Connery since he he missed out on the action and was just in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> I think he retired after that wisely, probably. Yeah, probably yeah. so. Yeah, uh, cr- crying in a big Scottish castle somewhere. Castle. So, so, so um, in addition to those three other returning original stars, um, Anthony Daniels, because you know <laughs> Anthony Daniels literally has done nothing else. This is all he does. Aww. I love him. He's, He's so great good at, at it. it. He's so good at it. You could it. never have him played by anyone else, but he it's it's hilarious you because it's always You could have him played by anyone else. I understand that the that that the guy who played Niles on Frasier, David Hyde David Hyde Pierce, he'd be fine. Jim Parson would would be okay no, in the role no, as wouldn't, well. Wouldn't be I sort the of same. feel like Anthony Daniels like laid the groundwork for those two to have a career. They should send him a fruit basket. <laughs> I'm just saying that I once got like a terrible audio book of I think the I want to say like the Dark Empire comic book, and Anthony Daniels is playing C-3PO on that. There were no other cast members in it, but Dan, he is not going to let somebody else play C-3PO. It's his character. He sticked it out. Yeah. So plus, we, plus he'll, with, with motion capture, he'll now fit back into the suit. That, would, that, that, suit. that would have been the, ah. the limiting factor for him. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, Jim Parsons or, or David Hyde Pierce. So, oh, see, Lisa's already fantasy casting. It's amazing. There'll yeah, be, you know, it, it, it's it's a superpower. <laughs> there'll be a, there'll be other droids. So, so also, also, um, uh, let's see, who else are the other continuing? Uh, Chewbacca, uh, right? Peter Mayhew, and and R two D two, Kenny Baker, because it wouldn't be the same. Unless because Kenny Baker was inside too. a canister Kenny, Kenny Baker robot. is the most mysterious. It's like, what is, at this point, what is he doing exactly? Yeah. Nobody can wiggle that suit like <laughs> anybody else. Uh, he just it, makes it have such personality. It's ineffable. Is, he gonna, is there going to be a physical R2-D2 on set a lot of the time? I figured they would just CG him entirely. How dare you? Never. Never. I'm just going on, pat, on recent history. I feel like they should have him upgrading from Windows XP. That's all he does in, when, in, in episode seven. Just spends the entire time, you know. R2D2 is not software. on Windows. <laughs> he's, come on. As, he's as much of a Mac as any droid on that, I in, in that movie is going to be. Serenity. Yeah. <laughs> You've connected things that should never be connected, Lisa. No, there are way too many accessories that they didn't have to add on to R2D2. Like if it were an Apple designed droid, you'd basically have to keep, you'd have to buy that probe thing. You'd have to buy the jetpack. You'd have to buy the See, laser you'd be cutter. Support, you'd be supporting an exciting new democracy. It, commerce and an exciting new democracy because I'm betting that the Empire probably had price controls and state-sponsored industry and in, a, in an Apple designed R2D2 world, you would have the free market. It would be glorious. Have, have you seen a Soviet-designed TV set? That's not the height of design and function. That's all I'm saying. So in addition to those, so let, let's start there. Let's start, before we get into who the new actors are, I, I wanted to talk about the returning actors. Um, you know, this was all sort of speculation when we talked about it, when Disney bought Lucasfilm and said there would be more Star Wars movies. Um, but I'm interested what you guys think about the prospect now that it's it's clear that, you know, we're going to see... 30 years later, we're going to see Han Solo and Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker again. And I'm, I'm just, you know, that's, that to me seems to be 
I would actually say a bigger deal than like the existence of the prequels, because now you're not going to be able to look at Return of the Jedi and say, and that's the last we ever saw of them. And I think that's I think that's kind of a big deal. I think you're it's right. It's a huge deal. Um, I realized that with this, they're also nuking all of the continuity that they've spent the last 20 years building, like all of the Timothy Zahn novels and it, I yep. read that. Yeah. Yep. So, well, so, they killed they killed Chewbacca in the expanded universe, and yeah, Chewbacca's so in the to, movie. So, so you yeah, know. they killed off the. It's so, a, has anyone checked on Timothy Zahn? Is he doing okay? He was actually in the video <laughs> announcing. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, so announcing that they were nuking all the expanded universe stuff. Yeah. So. They took just nuking it. They're just telling a no, different they're being, story. They're being yeah. selective. But yeah. to get back to but to get They're back to Jason's to original point, um, I don't know if I want to see these people thirty years later. And the reason I say that is, in my head, they're all the age that they were when I first watched that, and it blew my world open. And I kind of don't want to see the ravages of time. Yeah, I'm kind of dreading it as well, and not not for the same reason though. It's not so much that I don't want to see them older, though. I understand that perspective. It's mostly because I'm. Here's what I'm kind of dreading with this. I'm dreading being in the theater, and each time one of the returning characters comes on the screen, a bunch of people applaud. Like I don't oh. want the movie to be. I don't want the movie to be about them. I don't want yeah. the person making the movie to leave room for that applause. I want to see new stories in the same universe, and maybe they could have cameos. But I don't. I want them to hand the baton over. I'm not that I'm rooting for any of them to die, but like I would have been just. I would have felt better if there were no returning characters not not because i I think they're going to ruin the characters or anything it's just that i feel like they'll weigh down the they'll weigh down this first movie with these with these expectations about having to either tie off old storylines or continue old storylines it's just their their time they did their thing their time is over and i don't like the i don't like the trend i don't like the trend of nostalgia as fan service though because i i feel like pop culture has kind of become inundated with that it's it's kind of horrifying to open up a browser and see 50 articles on the 10th anniversary of mean girls for example it's a movie it happened 10 years ago i get that a lot of people quote it but come on 10 years is not that long in 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 the great span of things and i i feel like we as a culture like like to ceaselessly dwell on these insignificant landmarks or and here's what they're doing now or, or or so on and so forth and and I, I sort I sort of feel like it's I sort of feel like this is where where it's going with that is is it's you love these guys back in 1978 so you know here they are. Well, we're we're presuming that the main story is about these characters as opposed to there there being sort of a passing of the torch or basically this is this these three characters or these four characters are there to sort of root us in this world and refresh us it's not going to be a reboot so much but it's saying we're going to pretend the the, the prequels were the peak the prequels we're going to have this continuity of this movies that everybody agrees that they like and i i liked i like the impression that i get from this that they're going to write this like it's a play which is the way that really every single movie science fiction used to be done where there's going to be a beginning and a middle and an end with a linear storyline it would be i i would be kind of interested if they were making movies set in the expanded universe. But my big worry there is that it would be like uh, like other franchise movies where you feel like you're seeing the middle of every movie is the middle of a story because they want to basically set up the next movie with different characters and also pick up stuff from a previous movie that you didn't see that had a different name. It's the comic book model that you're talking about. Remember Stanley's fa- Stanley's famous aphorism that every comic book issue is someone's first comic book issue and every comic book issue is someone's last comic book issue. And that's the challenge of telling the story. And movies have and, 
And movies have begun to pick up that model too. Well, like, I mean, they've always fundamentally been episodes, though, is the thing, right? Like this is going back to the initial, you know, pitch by Lucas is these are, you know, the serials, right? Which were continuing stories back in the, in, you know, the ones that he was hearkening back to. They were these lengthy continuing stories that ran, you know, every weekend. And granted, they were shorter. You know, we're talking like 20, 30 minutes in a lot of cases. But, you know, there was, he was telling an ongoing series of ventures. And I, I want to stick up for the the older cast at this point because, you know, while there has been a lot of talk, and I'm sure we will discuss the, the issues of the diversity or lack thereof among the cast, uh, I at least want to say, hey, why can't old people have adventures? <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of want to root for them. It's I'm true. like, it's good to. I I like the idea of. You seeing... saw that Indiana Jones movie, right? <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, but you know what that had that this one doesn't have? George Lucas. Now, I was talking about the Last Crusade, the good one. H- Harrison Ford was not the problem with the uh, the kid crystal skull you know he, he his age was not he the did problem. the best yeah no I, like I'm, I'm saying that there are movies with old people old men anyway having adventures but and, and it's not like i'm i'm against these people if if see i would almost feel better if the if the old people were the only people sitting on that big circle of ikea couches talking to each other because it's clear that <laughs> they have a bunch of young actors who are going to be in this movie and so it's not like if you just want to have these guys have a bunch of adventures as old people that's that's fine i'll, I'll see that story it's just that, like... It's Reds in space. I feel like there's, there's another story with these young actors that they have to tell, and it's this incredible balancing act between how much do we put the old people on so it doesn't feel like they're just token cameos versus how much are they taking spotlight up? Because everyone wants to see Luke Skywalker, but what about these new guys? And, like, are, it's a really difficult balance. It's, it really amps up, I think, the degree of difficulty of making this into a good movie, put, throwing those guys in the mix. The rumor is that Michael Arndt's script was focused mostly on the new generation with a hat tip to the old and that the J.J. Abrams um, and Lawrence Kasdan version that is now the one that they're going to do, um, the old cast members are much more involved than they were. Which I mean, you, know, you would think if, if Joss Whedon was doing it, you would think at least one or two of them would die, right? Sure. That would, wrap, that would wrap them up. That would wrap up their story. They would die heroically. They would die as a sacrifice. Maybe one of them would, would have troubles and die tragically. But like at any rate, you got to tie those off. Yeah, and that, that, and that's not a bad thing. I I, I want to. I mean, I actually um, am sort of with Lisa on the fact that I think uh, you you know how people talk about how the prequels sort of ruined their their childhood memories of Star Wars because now they've got these prequels in the way. What I think I think this is a riskier move, and I actually think this is gonna has a much higher degree of uh, chance of success than the, than the prequels. In hindsight, you know the prequels were failures. I, I I'm fairly positive that this movie is going to be at the very least fine and maybe good. Um, you know, right? I, like J.J. Abrams has proven, I think, with his Star Trek movies, especially that he is a, he is a capable guy. I think he understands why Star Wars is popular, which George Lucas doesn't. Um, oh, he, so, always, he already made what we right? agreed was the best Star Wars movie in years, in years right? which was Star Trek Into Darkness, right? So, so, but, but I think it's risky, and it's for something that 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 uh, I mentioned and Lisa mentioned earlier. I think it's risky because you know the prequels backfilled what you thought of this universe. But now they're going to tell us this is what happened to Han and Leia and Luke, and that's it. This is this is them thirty years later, and that's. I feel like that is a bigger gamble because everybody has been able to kind of imagine what the rest of the story was, and now they're going to show us what the rest of the story was for those characters, and that that's scary. Well, they sk- they're skipping thirty years, so we can still imagine those thirty years were cool. 
<laughs> where it's like that that story ended with okay so they 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 disrupted the wedding they're in the back of the bus now what happens that really was the end of the, of the story where the point was now we don't know what happens but they've done something that they wanted to do and yeah. yeah the idea that they have defeated the enemy that they needed to be defeated now anything can happen from this point on and we're not going to tell you what that is but by the by, the buildup in the music at the very end, we're implying that positive things happen. And now you're right. If we if we if we rack back forty years later and find out that yeah, turns out that Leia turned to the dark side and killed a whole bunch of people, and Han was like actually was locked in carbonite for the past twenty five years, and he was the only person who knew the access codes to release the oh man, you just ruined the the uplifting ending that we had. Oh man, I've got two words for you: trade negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> As long as I keep that away. It's not as if I'm saying that that, that the, what we're going to get is something that's unfulfilling, but it's going to be definitive. And that means that all the other kind of dreams of what the story could have been will be collapsed to one answer. Which is true, but we've also done the same. We've already compartmentalized the prequels, Yeah, I right? said like, I reserve <laughs> the right to totally cut these off if they're crappy, too. Like, sure. Those, those middle movies will stand on their own forever. And I don't care what comes before them or what comes after. I mean, for, for crying out loud, there's all sorts of novels that I probably think are terrible that came after. I just didn't read them. And if I had read them, I would be like, well, I'm, I'm not paying attention to that. There was this middle story that's good, ever, you know. It's the, rem- it's the removal of mystery that I have the problem with. That was my problem with the first three movies is that it took all the mystery away from Darth Vader. Because you think about episodes four, five, and six, and you're like, what the hell? How does a man turn out to be this half-machine hybrid with connections to an evil sorcerer? And you don't really get a good answer to that. And that's what makes Darth Vader such a tragic and interesting Well, the removal of character. mystery, the bigger problem is that it was sucky. <laughs> and then you find out in like episodes one through three that, well, he's just kind of a douche nozzle. And you're like, wait, what? And... How, how, wait, why, how this, this guy who gets his legs cut off somehow turns into a cyborg and then Ben Kenobi turns out to look like a massive idiot in retrospect because of, of, of inexplicable script writing decisions in episode three, blah, blah, blah. And I kind of don't want that to happen with episode seven through nine, where the mystery as to what happens to Han and Leia and everybody else gets revealed. I, I don't want the answers um, because I don't want to, I, I don't want to risk the disappointment you, as it were. You may want to hide for the next six years then. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, then again, the other thing is I kind of don't care as much as I, as I would have if I were, if, if I were a child or a teenager or a younger person, um, you know, at this point it's kind of, eh, you mess with something I really like um, and I'll still go see the movies and I'll probably look at them and say, okay, what have, what has been updated to reflect the cinematic sensibilities of the early 21st century? But I haven't, you know, I, I'm not burning to find out what happened to the old guard. I, I am kind of interested to see if they do manage to do a graceful balancing act or perhaps these three movies transition away from the founders of the new Republic or whatever you want to call it and into the people who are like, okay, yes, that's great. You do. You took down the Death Star, blah, blah, blah. You haven't really done anything interesting in the last 25 years since. So, so move out of the way, grandpa. This is time for phase two. Turns out they just kept the, em- the empire running all those years. They're like, well, the infrastructure's already here. We could probably just slot ourselves they, they in. Re- they rebranded. I mean, they, <laughs> they took out a new logo. It was, you know, it's a whole rebranding <laughs> effort. It's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hydra. <laughs> Time for a sponsor break, and this one's for the gentleman. This is for Harry's. Harry's is all about shaving. Harry's was sparked by a personal experience of one of the Harry's founders, Andy. It's emblematic of the experience that a lot of us guys have dealt with. He went to a drugstore, 
waited 10 minutes for someone to unlock the case where the razors were being held. He bought a four-pack of blades and some shaving cream. It was kind of a crappy experience. He walks out, looks in his bag. He's got a receipt for 25 bucks with a bunch of stuff that didn't speak to him. And he thought, there's got to be a better way to do shaving, higher quality stuff, a better customer experience. And that's what Harry's is all about. It's focused on providing guys a great shaving experience for a fraction of the price of their competitors. Half the price of other razor blades when you get your razors at Harry's. Now, it's got a beautiful, clean product design. I've got one of these Harry's razors. It is simple. It's functional. It's pretty. It's not all flashy and crazy. It doesn't have, like extra grooves and and plastic bits that have like wings and flames and all the other kind of crazy gimmicks you see with the stuff that are sold in in regular stores it's it's simple and it's pretty nice metal handle really liked it high quality blades they have their own factory in germany high quality engineered for sharpness and strength and they're half the price of say gillette uh, convenience is a big thing with harry's too you buy this stuff online. It's super easy. It's shipped to your door. You don't have to worry about it. When I go to my local drugstore and I'm looking for razors, the, you know, a lot of times they're they're missing from the shelves. Like they're whole sections where where um, one of the refill blades that I might want to get, they're just gone. I got to come back later. Maybe they'll be there then. Maybe they won't. It's really frustrating. So I've tried out Harry's stuff. The blades are beautiful. I uh, I, I shave with them today. Um, super smooth skin. My wife was really appreciating it when I came home from work. She's like, wow, still smooth. Very nice. High quality blades, high quality handle on the razor. And then there's that Harry's shaving cream that it comes with. And I'm an unscented shaving foam kind of guy. I don't really like a lot of scent. The Harry's shaving cream, it's really nice. And it's got a smell and it's very light and, and a little minty and quite pleasant. So even somebody like me who's super sensitive about shaving cream, the, the Harry shaving cream is really nice, and it's a little in a little squeeze bottle. It's not um, one of those big cans that shoots out foam. It's a little squeeze bottle, and you just squeeze a little bit out and rub it into your face, and then you shave. Really nice, high-quality stuff. So if you want to give it a try, here's what you do. Go to Harry's. Use the promo code SNELL. That's my last name, SNELL. And you'll save 5 bucks on your first purchase. Harry's.com. H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. Ship to your door, high-quality shaving equipment, great prices. Check them out. And thanks so much to Harry's for sponsoring The Incomparable. I, mean, I, I would love it if they did like some fan service thing where they're like, it's just too bad the Ewoks had to go with the rest of the rainforest planet after the rain of debris. But, you know, like if they did something like that, you're like, oh, yeah, there are actually yeah. no consequences. Yeah, I don't know pay, if they, they kill off all the Ewoks door. in the sequels. I'm giving this a thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that would make it. So, so the positive side is... You know, we're gonna see we're gonna see Han Solo again. I, I you know, I, I, there is we're gonna see Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker again. There, there, there is that. That's the other way to look. Are at Are we this gonna is, see Lando Calrissian because we, he was the darn, smoothest we, guy in class? Yeah, he, he was better. pretty important by the end of Jedi. It seems bad yeah. to like leave him, and I'm I'm assuming he's not holding out for not holding out for a lot of money or something. <laughs> yeah. He's still getting Colt forty five residuals probably. Yeah, I think he would have been in much better shape on Dancing in the Star, Dancing with the Stars, because you see every in that picture, Han uh, uh, almost said Han Solo, but yeah, Harrison Ford has <laughs> always been like ready to ready to pilot a chopper for the entire rest of his life. These mm-hmm. other two guys were like, you know, I'm we're kind of retired now. We don't necessarily have to work out that much. But when you start, suddenly see that Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill are now trim and looking good, you're like, okay, they're going to be in some sort of a movie, and it's not a direct-to-DVD release, so it must be Star Wars. 
So mm-hmm. that's that's why I don't think that Billy D. Williams is going to be in this one. Yeah. Well, we'll Which see. Which is too bad. Well, well, this actually addresses one of the big criticisms about the casting, though when we move from original flavor into the new people they've added, which is this is a remarkably white male cast. Yep. Well, see, I, I was thinking about how uh, how Star Trek dodged the bullet on this one. because I mean, I, part of it is the increased awareness of this whole issue in our little circle that we travel in on the internet. But the other thing is, like, when Star Trek did the reboot, they dodged it more or less by saying, well, we didn't make up these characters. These were established characters, and this is how many females there are. And, and when I was thinking about that, I thought about Battlestar, where it's like, well, they had the same situation. Well, here's the characters. This is what they are. They just said, no, actually, we're going to change Starbuck to a woman. And it wasn't that big of and a Boomer, deal. Boomer, too. Boomer was also a character. Yeah. They changed to a woman. Exactly. So, like, and so th- that, that kind of, but when Star Trek did it, no one called them on, oh, you didn't change Spock into a woman, right? But they were like, well, these are the Star Trek characters, and here they go. But when they're introducing new characters... That's an opportunity to like that. I think that's why they're they're getting slammed for this because it's like, you you know, it it just re- it just reads as really retrogressive to me that it's it's all it's most it's it's one woman and however many dudes and it was an awfully white cast picture, and um, it's not like there's any lack of talent and I I, I, I mentioned this to Phil and Phil goes well Lisa it was a long time ago in a galaxy far far away but you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they do still have slavery on these planets, so they're you know it, oh it, may, it may God, fit in with the setting and everything. <laughs> uh, no, the thing about Star Trek, actually, what I noticed watching Star Trek Into Darkness is th- they introduced Carol Marcus in the second movie because they realized they they needed another woman in the crew, and that she it's implied at the end that she's now part of the crew and they will bring her back because the fact is that original Star Trek cast had one woman in it. And so that was kind of a problem. So um, you could actually see them kind of grappling with that problem and trying to introduce other characters from corners of their canon just to get uh, a little more uh, balance in some way. But what we don't know about the new set of Star Tra- uh, Star Wars actors, see, I did it. I'm going to get killed <laughs> by people. That what, we don't, what we don't know is what the balance is. We've been given a list. So we've got, um, we've got uh, I don't know how to pronounce all these names, John Boyega. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Boyega? Uh, from Attack the Block, uh, Daisy Ridley, uh, Adam Driver from Girls, which is uh, makes me laugh. Oscar Isaac, famous motion capture performance of note, Andy Serkis, uh, Dom Domnall Gleeson, and of course the famous classic actor Max von Sydow. But we don't we don't know what the balance of this cast is. And although we look at that and we say, "Wow, there's only one woman," And uh, and there's only one non-white actor in that group. Oh, Oscar Isaac is, I believe, uh, Hispanic, Hispanic and Latino. It, it, okay, but so here's the thing: what what if the what if the three main characters in this are John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, and Adam Driver, and it's a black man, a woman, and a white man? Then, if they're the three main characters, this movie seems more diverse. You know, it's not like, but but it is true that the seven people they announced are. It's not a particularly diverse group. But you know, if if John Boyega is the lead, there's a that's a big well, deal. I mean, question too. They released this yeah. list, and like that's why we're saying Lando's mm. on a list. Oh, he can have a cameo. It's like you figure if he was going to be in the movie, he would be on this list. Like they didn't list yeah. the extras. They didn't list like you know Imperial yeah, Troop but number it's seventeen. It's possible that they're holding people back specifically for cameos. Yeah, I mean, the they, they, it could be the I new was, emperor's I was, female. I was jo- I was joking that the genius about Pacific Rim is that Guillermo del toro sold the movie as handsome charlie hunnam takes off his shirt at the beginning of the movie and then goes and fights with giant robots and the movie he actually made was a black man and his surrogate asian daughter managed to work through some heavy emotional stuff before saving the world so with giant I, robots 
with giant yes. robots. So I feel like, and it was, and what was interesting was when you looked at how Pacific Rim was marketed, it was handsome Charlie Hunnam will go and fight monsters with robots. And then again, I remind you, the movie is African, you know, handsome black man. And, oh God, so handsome, handsome black man and his adopt <laughs> and his adopted Asian daughter work out their emotional issues and go fight and go fight aliens and robots. And if he, if if Star Wars is using that tactic where they're selling it as Hey, fanboys, this is the kind of comfortable nerdery cast that you can get used to. And then the movie turns out to be handsome black guy and his kick-ass female companion do interesting things in the galaxy. Like, my hat is off to Star Wars if that's how they do it. But I, I think that when you're handed the keys to a huge franchise, this isn't just a creative endeavor. There, there are probably really specific business benchmarks they have to hit. And big studios tend to be really conservative about things like casting and marketing and, and creative product. And what they're going to do is look at the bottom line and say, what is more saleable? Um, a white space captain and, you know, his, his crew of, of Broheims or somebody else. Um, it, it reminds me of the Brian Michael Bendis um, interview that I tweeted today where he points out that little kids are showing up to see him in handmade Miles Morales costumes because nobody has thought it's a good idea to license and manufacture the Spider-Man costume for the half Hispanic for had the half Latino half black Spider-Man which to me is crazy like that should be just a given but you do have these crass marketing considerations at play you know it's it, which is why again but yeah but the, look at look at how Pacific Rim was presented as opposed to what it is and I, I question whether Star Wars would go down the same same tack that's absolutely true you, there's a, a long long list of you compare movie posters of uh, of mm -hmm. comedies dramas action movies that have non-white non-male leads and they've and of course they take out the mm -hmm. they, they, they pull out the white males for the, for the movie posters even though they're basically uh, cameos mm -hmm. and supporting characters mm -hmm. I, th I think that though we we can't make this we shouldn't make the mistake of extrapolating the entire movie out of this one photo and this one list. I do think that this was the photo they had to release because mm -hmm. they knew that they will get every hashtag, every trending topic for two days just on the strength of here are all the original cast members from the original <laughs> the Holy Trilogy. And then, and then later on we can, we can tell you about these people that you may or may not have heard of. But it's you're absolutely right. If they if they don't diversify the cast, then mm -hmm. they're not going to start creating new legends that a whole new generation is going to feel connected to and grow up with. Yeah. I mean, I, I I would like to think that I l fell in love with the character of Han Solo and I fell in love with the character of Indiana Jones for more reasons than he is simply a white male in America, which I right. could definitely find a connection to. But there's you're, it's absolutely right. You know, there, you have no idea what it's like to not see your. Uh, so the, the face that you see in the mirror every morning represented in popular culture. So yeah. Star Wars has a bigger role to play than simply being a mega blockbuster movie. And I, I just yeah. hope they take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. Princess Leia was me as a little girl. I dressed up as her for Halloween every year and um, I could identify with her and, you know, and I want to point out that I'm extraordinarily privileged in terms of pop culture relative to say women of color or, or, or people who are not cisgender or anything like that. Um, the reason I'm not so willing to give this photograph the, the, the benefit of the doubt is, again, this is an image machine. They, very, they, they picked a photograph that, to send a very specific message, and that was a pretty carefully chosen photograph. And the message they're sending is, hey, 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 hey fans, it's more of what you know and love. And that's, I, I feel like that's the message they're sending. I, I will concede to everybody else's point that the message I'm perceiving may not be the final product, but... I'm not filled with a lot of optimism just based on, you know, one, one photo. <laughs> I mean, I, I sympathize with all those things. And I, I guess like you, Jason, I'm, I'm more willing to sort of take a step back 
and see what the plans are. There are still some rumors that there are major parts that have not been announced, um, including a major female part. So I don't know. I mean, I agree that it, it would be I, I'm much in favor of seeing a more diverse cast here for all the reasons that have been mentioned. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons not to, you know, panic about like one photograph and gang cast list that's been announced. So, um, yeah, also, I, I don't know how much that's going to change, you know, based on what we say either. So there's a question of that as well. But I um, I don't know. I'm excited by a lot of the people who are in the cast um, for their talents, if, you know, if nothing else. I think, you know, John Boyega, everything I've heard about him sounds awesome. He sounds like a great actor. I've not seen Attack the Block, but I've heard nothing but good things about it um, and about his role in that. Uh, a lot of the other folks we, you know, um, there are some people like, uh, I think, her Daisy Riddle that we don't we don't know anything about her really because she hasn't been in much, um, which is interesting, I think, in and of itself in terms of casting somebody for a role this this pivotal who is not a known quantity. I mean, that kind of harkens back to me, you know, to the original movies for me, much less than the prequels, in which case they seem to really kind of we're going to rely more on star power in a lot of those cases. And it didn't really work out for them. Um, but I think mainly what I end up thinking about me is, you know, I'm intrigued and want to know what the story is now, right? Like that's, we're sort of going through the gradation of steps where it's like, we knew Star Wars was back and they were going to make an episode seven. We knew eventually that JJ Abrams is going to direct it. Now we know who's going to be in it. And to me, the big question is still, what story are we going to tell here? You know, what is, what is the story 30 years later? Because I, I, again, as I said earlier, I don't, I don't mind the the older folks in there. I agree that it's a it's a bigger risk because it looks much more like the original movies. But at the same time, I think you know the bigger the risk, the bigger the reward potentially. I mean, it could be very good, and in that case, you do have a potential touchstone for not only new people, you know, who are you know kids who are entering the franchise for the first time or seeing these you know movies like this on the big screen for the first time, but also those of us who have enjoyed them for so many years. So I again, as as with every stage of the process, I think I end up feel, falling into the sort of cautiously optimistic bin. Yeah, I'm on that. I'm sort of on the fence in that I I see where Lisa's coming from, and I am a little bit nervous. Like the, my first impression when I saw the the picture after being like, "Oh my god, original cast," was, "Hey, that's a lot of." It's like Daisy Ridley and Carrie Fisher are partying over on a couch together, and they're surrounded by white dudes. And I guess Kathleen Kennedy is kind of hanging out in a chair, but you can't actually mm-hmm. see her face. She just she is the emperor in this position. She's next to one of the Weasleys. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, also, the Zapruder filming of like what the significance of where everybody is sitting. Oh, it's, like, it's, oh it's, it's, it's nuts. It's a it's, uh, it's, uh, criminology is what you're talking about, right? It's yeah. like why why was the minister of of agriculture not present at the May Day parade? Uh, the only easy one to call is JJ is next to Han Solo because if you're the director, you get to sit next to Han Solo. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Also, they have a connection. I mean, that's a given. John, you remember from our uh, when we saw that JJ Abrams talk a couple of years ago. He he sat down with him when he like on the first movie he ever wrote, which was I think regarding Henry. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they are they are connected. It was not a good movie. Sorry guys, that was <laughs> a really bad movie. But oh, oh boy, time for a sponsor break. I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, ProFlowers.com, in a moment. But first, I'm going to tell you a little story because Mother's Day is coming up. And uh, one of my great memories of uh, a time that I made my mother really angry, my brother and I decided to play catch in the living room 
I, I, you got me why we would even do such a stupid thing. And I think we were playing catch with something soft, but it didn't matter. There was a candy bowl with a lid um, that my mother, I think, got from her grandmother or maybe her great-grandmother. It was a family heirloom. It was part of, I think, a family china set. Well, you know what happened. The ball hit the thing, and it fell on the floor, and it broke into a bunch of pieces. However, because we didn't want to get in trouble, my brother and I super glued that thing back together into, until it worked. It was actually, it all fit together. You would never know that it had broken other than all of the lines all over it that indicated it had been broken into pieces and super glued together again by kids. They'll never notice those lines, sure. Well, of course, they noticed immediately and got really, really angry at us. And, oh, I could laugh about it now. Ha, ha. Anyway, I'm sure mom got a lot of gray hairs from that. So you have probably got a story like that. So thank your mom for putting up with your shenanigans with a beautiful 100 Blooms bouquet plus a free glass vase, all from proflowers.com for just $19.99. And you can upgrade to 100 Blooms with a pink vase and chocolates for just $29.98. Use my code INCOMPARABLE to get this special price on your Mother's Day order while supplies last. Pro Flowers last a long time. I've gotten uh, Pro Flowers orders. Uh, I gave them to my wife for Valentine's Day. I've sent some to my mom. They last a long time, um, and they are guaranteed to last a week, or you'll get your money back. They're freshly picked bouquets, perfect for Mother's Day. And ordering is easy. It's like going onto a website, which it is, and you click, you choose your date, it's guaranteed to be there in time. Super simple. Works really easy. If you don't want to call a florist or anything like that, you don't need to do anything like that. It's like ordering something from Amazon. You just go to proflowers.com and order. So here's what you do. Go to proflowers.com, click the little blue microphone in the top right corner of the webpage, and type in incomparable. That's it. Proflowers.com, click the blue microphone, type in incomparable. This deal expires soon, so make sure you order it today. So it'll get there to your mom before Mother's Day. And thanks to Pro Flowers for sponsoring The Incomparable. And thanks, Mom, for not being too mad when we broke the candy bowl. Was it? Was there any significance to the fact that it was black and white? To be honest, before I, I saw a description of the photo, I thought that this is a vintage photo because there were no laptops. There were no – all the all the clothes yeah. were very 70s. All the furniture was very 70s. And it's at Pinewood I Studios. If it was supposed, I wonder if it was supposed to evoke the feeling that you had when you saw the behind-the-scenes photos and documentaries of the original tr- trilogy because that was one of my first exposures to pop culture as a child where were like PBS documentaries on how ILM worked. And you'd also see still photos of, you know – like Princess Leia leaning against the Millennium Falcon and laughing with somebody in behind-the-scenes pictures. So maybe it was supposed to evoke that feeling with, look, you're getting a behind-the-scenes look, and, and just like we've been giving you since the 80s. Yeah, it was meant to evoke – this is all meant to evoke the nostalgia of of this period uh, of the original of the original series. So we've got a black-and-white picture uh, without a lot of technology, and we've got it – you know, they're shooting the movie where they shot the original – films and that's this is all part of the marketing thing also i have to say uh you know you plan this sort of thing because 
um, you're about to shoot and people are going to know where these people are and yeah. they're going to yeah. figure it out. So you want to take control of the situation. It, re- it reminds me of when, you know, they announce now they announce who the new actors are who are cast in Doctor Who like two days before they do their location shooting because as soon as they're on location, everybody's going to know it. So you want to get ahead of it. And they announce the Chewbacca's in the movie, you know, a few days before that. They say, yeah, the expanded universe is really not going to – because yeah. it, that, it brings up the question. <laughs> so they just they, – they, this is – PR. I mean, this is PR as it's supposed to be. So that that's what's that's what's going on here. Ha- having seen Girls, Adam Driver, I'm fascinated by that bit of casting because I think he's a very interesting actor. Although, again, as you know, with a lot of casting, you've got that you know uh, attaching, remembering what their other roles were like, and then being like, okay, how does, how does you know he will not be playing the same character, <laughs> presumably as his character on girls in star Wars. Cause that would be really weird. Although he could just, yeah, he's, he's the Jedi who walks around without his shirt on all the time. <laughs> sure. I would not have a problem with that. No, I would yeah. not have a problem with that. <laughs> what is this? Luke, Luke, why is the entire new Jedi Corps shirtless? Look, it's a thing. It's, okay? Yeah. It's hot here. It's Tatooine. It's hot. <laughs> no, I love that idea. Oh my God. <laughs> and a Weasley. It's a fascinating, fascinating group. Would it make sense to speculate about any of these character, any of these actors being under makeup? Well, Andy Circus, we should Circus. talk about that. I assume yeah. that he's going to play a motion capture guy. I mean, he's a. Uh, he's I wouldn't an assume that. Guy, he's but... been in a lot of live action movies as an actor. He is, and he he could be doing that. But it's also the possibility that he's going to be a completely CGI character. Uh, that he's but performing. I think he looks right for the Star Wars universe, like him. Yeah. Actual, the he's kind of got a. He's got a he's got an Ian McDermott thing going, or he or he'd be like a bounty hunter. I mean, like this, I mean, he looks like he's a scoundrel. He looks vaguely alien too, so that helps. A lot. Right, that, that's what I was thinking with Adam Driver. That it's yeah. like you, you ever see? Oh, oh, you know who would be great in these movies, and they haven't cast yet? Doug Jones. Oh my mm. god! I don't know. They need to get Doug Jones in these movies. Adam Driver, I, to me, sounds like a, he 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 feels like the bad guy. I have to yeah. say that is think, that is what is heavily rumored. Rumored, yeah. yeah. I think he's. Oh my be god! Bad. I just looked up a picture of Doug Jones, and he looks like a terrifying Sith Lord. <laughs> oh yeah, isn't he? The, he's the greatest. He does. He does a lot of really great body work. I think of him as. Oh, Abe, oh he was in Abe Pan's Sapien. Labyrinth. He was in yeah, Pan's yeah, Labyrinth. Yeah. He was the he's he was Hellboy. the body. He was the body for oh god for Abe. Uh, what's his face? Abe Sapien um, in Hellboy. Abe Sapien in Hellboy. Yeah. Um, oh my you know, gosh. He's he's a really gifted physical actor, and he's also got a reputation for being one of the nicest people in the industry. So that kind of fits in with the Star Wars, because Star Wars does the actors do seem to have a culture of of, of acting not being jerks so i i feel like he well, who wants in... to work with jerks <laughs> no no i feel like he'd fit in culturally with both both the workplace and and the fandom as it were and he's incredibly gifted physically and he looks like something from another planet and it would be <laughs> not it would, well it'd be nice if you had some pretty explicitly alien alien looking people or actors who can convincingly channel this otherworldly quality you know it could it could be that all the new actors have blue skin in this shot you know, like if it was Star Trek, we'd say these guys all have forehead makeup. That's uh. that's why it's in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> 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 then it is They're in blue face. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be great. It's just oh. well, Avatar did so well, but you know. yeah. yes, of course. <laughs> oh, is, but no, why, no, no. Why Let's not channel Avatar. Big, why is blue such a big science fiction color? Because oh. you don't run into a lot of people with blue skin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably not. Um, Daisy, what's Daisy's last name? Uh, Ridley. Ridley Daisy. She's what, 19, 20? She's pretty young, right? Like I, that that was the one that struck me the most besides the fact that she is female, but clearly she is playing the child of somebody. 
She's either that or they find some random child on a because it's it's very odd, right? I think the youngest person we've ever seen in the Star Wars universe, and I'm thinking talking about the canon Star Wars universe, not the prequels. Jake Lloyd? is you've got well, you yeah. Well, but like not talking about Jake Lloyd for a second, yeah. like talking about the original three movies, you've got Leia, and Leia is supposed to be like 19, 19 to yeah. 24, yeah. Right, so if she's... Well, Carrie, Carrie Fisher was like 20 when she made those movies. Yeah, she, I yeah. Think yeah. she was 18 when she was casted. So let's, yeah, let's, let's very, yeah. assume that Daisy Ridley is playing um, Han and Leia's daughter, right? <laughs> she has the right look for also it. heavily rumored uh, did, did, yes. did you uh did you look at her imdb page it's hilarious because it's got a picture of her her headshot from a publicist and the only other photo on the page is that shot of them in the circle of the chairs so talk about an unknown it's like she's known for being in this chair she looks like she also looks a lot like natalie portman around the eyes and the set of the mouth too so she does a little bit so there's that there oh look she looks like her grandmother <laughs> yeah so the um her her reel was up for a very very short time and i was able to watch it and then they pulled it down which is interesting it's like why would you pull down a reel from an actress unless you want to you want to be the ones launching her career like clearly she has a major role in in the uh in the upcoming movie we just you know we can speculate on whose daughter she is or or what precisely that role is but needless to say, like she is the person that they're they're clearly pinning some uh, some major star power behind. And that, that can be a defensive action too. Nobody is going to be in, in the in the PR blackout that's going to happen over the next X number of months while this thing is being filmed. So much speculation on the credibility of every one of these actors is going to be just filling every single modulus. And if you have some kind of ropey credits to your name that are kind of okay movies but not very good, or one scene that is in your reel that you kind of wish weren't there, that's all you're going to be about for the next eight to nine months. I, mm-hmm. it's it's a, it's such a great opportunity. It's a great it's a it's a wonderful part to, thing to be part of this legacy again. But I'm not sure if it's it's a little bit like running for office. Every single thing you do is going to be scrutinized, and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be projecting their own fears and their own misconceptions onto you and blaming you for stuff. Did, didn't Jake Lloyd uh, do an interview where he just said that this is – I hate the fact that I did this movie because there are so many people who are just using my name as an expletive on everything that is wrong and unholy in this planet? Yeah. He, 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 he claims that Star Wars ruined his life. Well, I, I think it might have been mutual, so <laughs> – <laughs> See, that adorable little boy can't I know, it's, show it's his tough, face. It's tough with child actors. I mean, he didn't write the script, you know. Like, I'm having, I'm realizing how much the prequels messed me up in terms of like, it's like there should be trigger warnings on these casting things because <laughs> whenever I see like, I remember how excited I was like when Ewan McGregor was cast. Like, these are gonna be the best movie. Like, the caliber of actors they're getting in these prequels, this is gonna be amazing, right? Even the bit parts, yeah. like you know Samuel L. Jackson. It's and then when I see all these actors, some of whom I really like, I really, I really like uh, Adam Driver. I, I these new actors like I, I look at them and I don't know anything about them but like wow I can just imagine them being great and then all I, all of a sudden I get a flash of these awesome actors standing against a green screen saying terrible dialogue I'm like no it's just I don't want just it remember, to, to happen sold to, to Disney <sighs> yeah I know I guess that necessarily makes it better I'm trying but... to have trying to have hope but like that's I mean like I said before played by Lawrence Kasdan yeah that's <laughs> all I wanted out of this I just want it to be a good movie that's all like I don't even I don't even need it to feel like Star Wars I don't even to like and I was thinking about in terms of the overall plot um I almost hope this isn't the case. I know this is a silly hope, but like I kind of feel like the antagonist in the three real Star Wars movies and the prequels, more or less, was it's light side of the Force versus dark side of the Force, right? And I feel like 
Not that that conflict was resolved for all eternity at the end of Jedi, but more or less the light side won uh, and, you know, balance has been restored or whatever. I don't want all the movies to every movie has to be about let's see how the Sith are going to worm their way back in this time and how they're going to be. Is it does it always have to be light side of the force versus dark side of the force forever and ever for the next 15 movies? Or are there other stories we can tell in the Star Wars universe? We're going to find out. And I think I think one of the things that make filming with such optimism is that uh, this that the entire package has been sold to a totally new production company. It's a totally new director, a totally new everything that people who don't feel as though they have that much of an obligation to uh, pay homage to the previous culture. Yes, they're yes, they have the, the a lot of the original cast members, but I feel as though a lot of the problems with the prequels came about with. Uh, wanting to make fans uh, happy with the same characters that they had earlier. The 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 the, the preference say what what is Chewbacca doing at the end of the at the in ep, at the end of Episode Three? What are all these other characters appearing even though they don't make much sense? But they're trying to make more toys, trying to expand the expand the line, trying to make this whole thing make sense. But it's not supposed to really make sense. You're supposed to have a Republic serial done with really really great ultra-modern 1977-style special effects. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple with the beginning, middle, and end, consistent characters, and with every character playing exactly one role in this story that nobody, no other character can duplicate. If you just try to make this as a really, really good story and not try not to make it into a Star Wars movie, you're 70% of the way towards making a great film, I think. I kind of want to see a political thriller version. Time for another sponsor break, and this time I want to tell you about Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code GEEKY. Squarespace constantly improving their platform with new features, new designs, and better support. They have these gorgeous website designs for you to start with and lots of style options you need to create a unique website for you and your business. It's not going to look like other people's websites. They have more than 20 highly customizable templates so that you can make the templates that are already beautiful work for you. And they've got super easy-to-use tools to do all that customization. They've won numerous design awards from prestigious institutions like the FWA, the Webbies, and Forbes. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need help, Squarespace has this incredible 70-person customer care team. They're available one way or another 24-7. Anytime. If you are pulling your hair out on Sunday morning, 2 a.m., you can reach somebody. It's the Care Bear Lair. You've heard me talk about this before. I don't know if there are actual Care Bears there or not. I do not know if there are actual bears there. But I do know they care, and that's why they won lots of customer service awards. So here's what you have to pay for this amazing service at Squarespace, $8 a month. And if you sign up for a whole year up front, you get a free domain name. They will register a domain name for you. It's that easy. Every design automatically has a mobile version, so they're responsive. There's a beautiful desktop version for people on PCs and Macs. And then there's this great version for mobile devices. So you won't have a giant uh, desktop website crammed down onto a phone interface. It looks natural on a phone as natural as it does on the desktop. And now Squarespace has a new thing. It's called Squarespace Logo. So in addition to building your website, you can now build your own logo for your site, your business card, a t-shirt, whatever. You can go to squarespace.com slash logo and find out more. Pretty cool. So start a free trial. You don't need to put a credit card down to do this. You can just sign up and start building your website today. And when you do decide to sign up for Squarespace, be sure to use the offer code GEEKY. 
to get 10% off and show your support for The Incomparable. So thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of The Incomparable. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. Yeah, I think one of the, one of the things that might happen here is that is that you know, this is going to be a franchise. They they want to do, I mean, a new franchise. They want to do a movie every year. Uh and on the off years it'll be spin-off kind of thing. So one approach they might take here is very much not a narrowing of the story to be like let's just tell another set of three movies that are about the return of, you know, the 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 Sith and the Empire trying to return to glory. You know, I I feel like they they are trying to paint a bit bigger picture here, partially because that's what movie franchises are now is lots and lots of movies. Thank you, Marvel. Um, but which is also owned by Disney, but also just because they want lots of movies. They're they're the goal. The end goal here is not to just tell a three three story you know three movie story, and so um, that I think that might be good in the sense that it might actually take some of the pressure off and let, give them a little more room to tell to create, you know, a new take on this universe instead of doing what they might have done otherwise, which is replay the past and tell that same story, basically invert that story and tell it again. I think Marvel has the same problem that I was just talking about though in that the problem with all I I don't follow the comics so I don't know where the, all these things are coming from whether the comic books or not, but the problem with every Marvel movie is that's like all right, we have these characters that are heroes. Everybody loves them. Each one is able to carry its own movie. You know, like it, 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 everything works out. But it's like, but we need something for them to do. We need them to fight. We need them to fight an enemy. We need the world to be in peril. And it's like the antagonist is always the biggest scare factor in those movies. You're like, oh, if they pick a bad villain or if it's a stupid, you know, if I don't care about them saving the world for the umpteenth time, like, what is it that they're doing? What is the conflict? And I'm like, I don't like, you know, the Batman one is like, okay, he's got a bag of villains. We can just throw each one. This is the Riddler movie. This is the whatever movie. Comic books kind of go in that direction too. But with the Marvel ones, it's like, well, also Earth has to be in peril. Every 1.7 movies, we have to have the entire Earth be in peril through something. And it's so hard to keep coming up with those. We love the heroes, but, but you know, you need something for them to do. And Star Wars, they have like, oh, we don't have to have a villain of the week, but do we have to keep going back to light side versus Darth side, Sith versus Jedi? Like, I feel like that story has been told. And I'm, I'm ready for it to cycle back around in in movie 10 for the Sith to come back, but I don't want right away after Jedi. It's like, I just cleaned this place up. The Sith are back again. Who? Where are these Sith? Where are they getting in the so, house? So would you prefer like a medical, would you prefer like a medical mystery drama where, oh my God, his midichlorians are being killed? by a virus that <laughs> continues to attack them it's like an immune system disorder what's yeah. going on i'm not saying they're going to do this like i, I have no idea what the plot of this movie is going to be and i don't i don't want to be spoiled by it but i i really hope that they are like there are many other choices to have you know i'm sure the extent expanded universe novels did all these choices is this a spy book is this a war story is this a you know a, a romance is this a thriller like they can do all of these things and i don't know which they're going to do i'm just i'm just expressing my fears not that i oh, that yeah. i've heard anything that, that that they're going to do this but I like the idea of seeing the different, you know, angles that we're talking about here. I mean, for example, just to harken back to another movie that we talked about not long ago, uh, the Captain America, the Winter Soldier was a nice, I think, twist on the, it wasn't about necessarily the entire world being a peril. Yeah, they did raise, you know, feel like they have to raise the stakes at a couple points, but um, it had a feeling of like a spy thriller to it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I could, I would love to see a Star Wars movie that's in that vein. That's like, hey, turns out the New Republic isn't that much better than the Empire that we replaced. Uh-huh. Oh, well. <laughs> well, you know, what I loved about The Winter Soldier, and I missed that discussion because I think parenting, um, but yeah, yeah, parenting, small people. It happens. Uh, what, yeah, uh, 
it's like a virus. Anyway, um, <laughs> what I liked about that, it was actually, it was actually something where, where people had to use their brains to get out of the situation. It wasn't merely, oh, look, he's filled with serum and he can do things with it. It was, it was genuine. Like you actually saw Cap string a couple thoughts together and, and, and get all strategery on you. And my hope is that they actually did that with Star Wars too, because in theory, someone like Princess Leia was already a political operator before she had her adventures with her brother and his best friend. So, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing a Princess Leia who is basically the Hillary Rodden Clinton of the Republic 30 years later. And, you know, and, and, and was basically operating as, 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 a, as a power player with amusing tumblers devoted to her. I think there's room for brains in the franchise, if that makes sense. It's not just, you know, mystical Muppets yammering on about midichlorians. I would really like to see something where, where, where it, it's, it's people tackling the question of good force versus bad force. And, and maybe somebody, I have no problem with good versus bad because that's your eternal, you know, man versus himself type struggle. So, so what if you do have someone like Adam Driver who's like, but what if we can use the bad force to do good things? And, and, and then you've got an anti-hero and an interesting question to be answered. And, and it turns into a tense human drama. I'd love that. Well, it's, it's a cause for optimism that they're, yeah. they are planning on doing a movie every single year now because that's it does it, it's i think it if you don't if you have two or three years to do a sequel it seems like the the you have to basically say this has to be the biggest most sprawling yeah. epic movie pack ever pack it all in yeah exactly whereas they, it feels like they can if once well, then the you screen get sequel once, yeah yeah, and, and so if you're writing the story for whatever the first movie is and you have this great idea for, oh, you know what would be great? We should have another character that's sort of off against this other person. They say, oh, that's great. Let's do that next year or the year after that. Let's keep mm-hmm. this one movie streamlined. It's like, oh, here's, yeah. here's the most bizarre thing I'm going to be throwing into this. But it is a little bit like the strength of Woody Allen's movies where he just makes a movie every single year. And some of them can be kind of weird, some of them can be very mainstream, and some of them can be exactly what you expect a Woody Allen movie to be. You don't have to love every single one of them, but over five years he's going to make five movies, of which one you think is great, three you like, and two you don't even bother to see. And I would be perfectly fine with that. That's, I'd prefer one that. That's what I was saying by by having the pressure be off a little bit. That right. that uh, you know it it, uh, it could be really good in the sense that the that the canvas is really wide now. And this is like the core, right? This is the continuation of the old story, and that's why it's episode seven, eight, and nine. But they don't have to do everything. And in fact, it's better if the universe is set up for them to be able to tell lots of other stories because they're going to want to keep telling stories in this universe. So you know, this may be the you know, dark side of the force versus light side of the force, big story that is at the core of, of this universe, but it's not the only story. And it would be nice to see, yeah, to see something a little bit different from the, the two variations on that we've seen with the, it's the, the original version. trilogy and the prequel. Trilogy. Yeah, I think they're doing the inverted Avengers though. Like, like it's an, it's a, in the Avengers movies, they said, we're going to do a bunch of small movies. Some of them are going to be crap. Some of them are going to be good. What we're all building up to here, guys, is the Avengers. And then after the Avengers, we're going to do a couple more small movies. We do Captain America movie, we do this movie, and then we're going to have Avengers two. And then we're going to do a couple more small movies. And then we're going to have Avengers three. This, they're doing Avengers one, two, and three up front. And right. then saying, mm-hmm. okay, here's all the spinoff movies. And maybe one of them will turn out like Green Lantern. Sorry about that, but one of them might be Captain America. You know? <laughs> Green Lantern is not in the Avengers, John. <laughs> I don't know who's in what. I just know that movie was bad. Yeah. That's good. Burn that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. with good. cleansing fire. Yeah. yeah. No, well, I mean, they, they are... I think their plan is to have them alternate. So they are going to do sort of like the big movie and then a little movie and then a big movie and then a little movie. And, and that there are lots of rumors about how they're going to do that. It's interesting. I was talking to my wife about this the other day. That's like, you know, Star Wars being an active franchise 
like the Marvel movies are now. That's kind of weird. It's it. it I mean, it feel it's like it's kind of weird. I mean, well, it, because it's, it's always been something that goes into hibernation, right? Even between right. like you know twenty years between the prequels and the and the original movies, right? And then another you know decade. And it's so it's something that comes and goes in spurts. And yeah, you have other properties like your Clone Wars, you know, TV show or the books or the comic books or stuff running in between. But then you have these tent poles that seem to pop up every couple of decades. So it is really different to think of it being something that's like, I mean, it's not out of the question that we see a Star Wars like live action TV show, which, you know, yeah. is something they had had talked about for years, but never really got off the ground. But it's certainly with with Disney's backing, not at all. Well, they've got the their own TV network. And, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they, we've seen that they have a willingness to take the Marvel stuff and do a TV outpost of that. So why would you not do that with Star Wars? Sure. Stormtrooper Adventures. <laughs> Jedi <laughs> oh, Babies. Oh, God. Well, the Trade Federation, the series. The, the, the one thing I don't want to see is like the like the Kevin Smith version where, hey, now we're going to have a whole story where we get to see the stormtroopers who are like really just kind of jaded and they're just hanging out and they're saying, oh, man. I think it's been done on the uh, it's That's been like done on the Internet. Chicken sketch. That's like a robot chicken sketch. Where and and a bunch of other things yeah, like troops. troops. Remember troops? Yeah, troops. troops. Yeah, yeah there are so many things. Troops was funny because yeah. it was just like a YouTube video. But once yeah. like once like a movie studio says we're going to we're, we're too cool to say that Star Wars. Wars is awesome. We're really excited about doing a great story with classic characters. No, I have to say, oh no, I'm, I'm too cool for this. I'm going to make poke fun at it. I'm going to have two characters talk about, hey, but man, why did we even build a Death Star to begin with that could be so easily blown up? What's up with that? <laughs> Come on, is Jerry Seinfeld does Star Wars. What is <laughs> the deal with the What's the deal with an access point? I think with whose idea not- was this? Star Trek has shown that they, I mean, JJ at least, I think strikes the right balance between not taking yourself too seriously, but taking it seriously enough. Like, it's not, that's why I was, back in the beginning, I was talking about fearing that that a, a, a poor director would acknowledge that people are going to applaud when Luke Skywalker first appeals, and they would build it into the movie and the editing and the directing, and JJ will not do that, I think. He will have the movie go straight forward, the, the, the movie the play within the movie plays, it will take itself seriously, it will wink at itself, perhaps even less winking at itself than Jedi, just about the Empire level of winking at itself, but it will never be like that cynical or whatever, because like if you look at the, the Star Trek movies, he really believes in the drama of these things happening and is not going to be like, well, it's just a spaceship and these aliens, whatever, who cares? Like, he's he's going to sell it. He's going to sell the emotion of everything. Like, I'm really glad that he, he's doing this. When I think about the Star Trek movies, it makes me optimistic for these movies to strike that right balance. Because what Andy was saying, like, if someone else was helming this, I could see that being a possibility. But I feel like with him behind it and presumably his influence on whatever other properties spin off of it, I... I I'm hoping that, uh, you know, everything goes well. Well, and Star Wars was his, you know, his, not his baby, but his... That was uh, his franchise. His inspiration. He was practicing with Star Trek, as as is appropriate, I think. (laughs) Boo. But if you go back and watch Lost, like, clearly he is a huge Star Wars fan, right? Like, there's all sorts of jokes about Star Wars and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, that's the reason I think we all know that he ultimately took this, right? Even though he was doing the Star Trek franchise, like, he could not say no. Star Wars. Well, it so- sounds like he actually was afraid to say yes because it means right. so much to him. And, but right. so, so this is something I wanted to close with. Is to maybe talk, that's good. Is to talk a little <laughs> bit about J.J. Abrams, which you know, there's, there, he's got his he's got his critics, and he's definitely got some issues. And the and the Star Trek movies he's done, you know, are not are not perfect. But I'm I'm really encouraged by his choice because um, he does love Star Wars, and like I said at the beginning of the show, I feel like he under he understands why star wars is great like he he i feel like he gets it 
in that way and that's vitally important that that you've got creative people who actually like understand why people love Star Wars because I really do believe that was George Lucas's ultimately yeah he can't write dialogue I mean there are lots of things but his fatal flaw was George Lucas never understood why people loved his thing he never got why people actually attached to it and I think J.J. Abrams totally gets it and what we saw him do with Star Trek was take a franchise that was essentially dead and rethink it and and make it in the context of modern movie making while still honoring the things that people loved about it and that i mean that you that's the perfect template for this and speaking of the guy who's sitting next to jj the more i see about harrison ford like how he operates as an actor in the various movies that he's in in addition to all his grouchiness and all his you know just the way he and reading the reading the gigantic making of empire book and like it's he has a surprising amount of influence increasing with his you know fame on the movies that he's in for the better uh you know like all the all the ways he was contributing to these scenes in empire when he was more or less just a kid right and now at this point when he's in a movie he feels like he's practically the second director and obviously that's going to be reined in by jj you know i'm assuming he can handle him but like his his influence his understanding i think harrison ford also understands what makes star wars even though he's grumpy about it and even though he kind of gets pissed off that he's han solo and he likes indiana jones better and all these other things He's got a head on his shoulders about what makes good movies. And so, like, when I see them leaning into each other and talking, I'm like, yes, listen to him. He may be a jerk sometimes, but he knows what he's talking about. He understands From a certain good point of view. Yeah, exactly. I got that reference. I appreciate that reference. Very good. You're fired, Dan. No, you're not allowed to direct this movie. I'm, if there's a bad feeling about this in, in like, I mean, I, I will give him one for episode seven i will give him one bad feeling and that's it and it better be like middle to late movie it better be like i have a bad feet and that person just gets shot in the head yes right that's the that's the amount of linking you're allowed you get one of those preferably if the person gets killed before he completes a sentence and that's it the scream they'll, they'll be with their grandkids and they'll be playing a game of the grandkids with, hey wait a minute toga shot first that, that that's over the line that uh... hey as long as they don't have those high fives where they fail to make contact Leo will give Chewbacca an amiable kiss, and and um, uh, told you it could be arranged. <laughs> Great, let's 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 all let's get all the bad things. We're out crowdsourcing here. this script right here, right yeah. now. If we Live. if we do it here, then they won't do it there. That's the idea, right? We'll just save. Yeah, it's like saying here. bad things before you get on a plane flight. Just say all of the bad things that you don't want to see in a Star Wars movie, and they won't happen. That's exactly Jar Jar Binks, Jar Jar Binks, Jar 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 Binks. Gungans at all? No, no Gungans, and not even a background. He walks, he walks, baby, baby, he walks. I, I think the opening crawl will just say, you know, the galaxy is in a term, turmoil following the one? wake of the Gungan extinction. <laughs> and then just continue on. Just remember they, they're, they're not. How they're, many times can we say we're, we're sorry. sorry? Here, here's Han Solo again. You like Han Solo. Star remember? Wars, episode seven, the apology. We can't give your money back on any of the prequels or any of the toys you bought. But let's just try to rebuild. Uh, the, the scroll should just say Star Wars Episode Seven, then a big long empty space, and then a thing in parentheses that says, "Don't worry, we got this." Yeah, <laughs> or gotcha. Deep breath, guys. Well, I mean, the message sent by having um, having not only hiring J.J. Abrams, but but having um, Lawrence Kasdan involved, right? That that is a message of like, hey, you know that guy who wrote that Empire Strikes Back movie that you kind of like? He's going to be really deeply involved in in the in the creative aspects and. And one question I have, and I don't know the answer. I don't know whether it's Lawrence Kasdan or J.J. Abrams or, or or if it's Kathleen Kennedy 
but she's more of a producer, which is like the Marvel movies have some kind of, kind of like a showrunner or a creative supervisor who's sort of plotting what they're doing. And I assume, you know, looking at all these stories, that Lawrence Kasdan is sort of doing some of that for Star Wars as a franchise. He's, you know, they've got somebody has to watch this stuff and say, what are we doing and where are we going from here? And I think that's good. I, I think it's not just PR, but I think it sends a little message that this is a guy who understands the franchise and did good work in it. And he's, we brought him in to make sure that this stuff is okay. That's kind of dangerous though. Like the whole, the whole showrunner thing, like the, the person's, the one person's personality is imprinted so heavily uh, on the thing that they're running. Whereas again, reading the, the empire book, you see how, how did the empire story come to be? Well, you get the Lee bracket thing, which they more or less threw right. away. Then you had Kasdan and then you had Lucas uh, and Kirshner and the three of them would argue with each other until they figured out what the hell the story was going to be and the the three of them kind of fighting with each other and no one of the you know, that was before lucas was like well oh, it's going to be the way i want it to be so i'll just do this like yeah. they would argue around the table to see how things were going to go and i think that benefited the movie because if they had just been kasny gets to do whatever he wants it wouldn't have been as good as movie and if lucas well, has to do what he wants you know, make- like Filmmaking is a collaborative art by right. definition, it, right? <laughs> but but like but what I'm seeing here is like, oh, now it's like it's not Kasdan in the 1970s and 80s. It's Kasdan now, and I hope he. If I don't, I hope there's no one person running the show, including JJ. I hope that it is more of a like you know it, because it, not like back a around to the, back around to the Soviets. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes yeah. back there. Well, no, like like Marvel. You know, John John Favreau was involved from the early stages, and now Joss Whedon is sort of the the dominant. The, Thing, although they've also got Kevin Feige, Feige, who's the Fage. who's the Fage. Fage, so he's like a disease. Like the yogurt. Or something. Anyway, oh, okay. they they they've got the they've got some people who are working on it, but that doesn't mean that Winter Soldier isn't still heavily influenced by the screenwriters and the directors of it. So so you know, there's room for that creativity, but there's also sort of like a an overarching vision that I think is kind of important to like where are we going and how is this all going to interrelate? And I do wonder about that, but I I like I just I like seeing Lawrence cast in there just just because it's like. He did this. He kind of gets it. It gives you a link to the past and somebody who understands the franchise. And I think that's a good message to send. We'll we'll see what you know what the screenplay is like, but I think it's a good message to send. Well, as soon as JJ sends us a copy of his script, we'll be we'll be happy. Yeah, yeah. we can talk I'm, about it. I'm trying to avoid. I'm trying to avoid spoilers. Uh, so I'm I want to go into this movie not knowing what it's about, not knowing who dies. Not I mean maybe maybe that's a tall order, but I'm going to try. It's yeah. That is, I mean, I accidentally tough. remember. I remember getting the uh, Phantom Menace Qu- will fly on the damn soundtrack. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm trying. I would like to avoid that this time around. Episode seven: The Death of Han Solo. <laughs> Anything else we should talk about before we uh, wrap it up? Anything else you, based on sort of like anything that's happened since this was all announced, that you've got buzzing around in your brains that we should talk about i just i just keep thinking again we sort of touched upon the whole surreality of this actually happening i think when we talked about the the disney announcements um but yeah i mean the idea that like well it's not gonna be very long before we see like a trailer or something like that like i remember i remember the episode one trailer being like a huge deal (laughs) and that movie turned out to be crap but (laughs) i still can't you know can't quite avoid getting excited about the, the idea of seeing this and let's some... be fair, the episode one trailer was pretty cool. The original one with the with the breathing, that was yeah. great. If only the, the movie next, had been 30 seconds The next seconds one long. wasn't bad, but like, you know, yeah. If that move, if they could have made a two-minute movie, like, they probably could have pulled it off. I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful. 
I want to be hopeful. I want to believe, JJ. I want to believe. Uh, I mean, it's Star Wars has been such a formative part of my life and my geekdom that I, I can't, like, even if it's terrible, even if it's the worst thing ever, I can't help but want to love it. And I'm going to try and stay positive and want to love it and, like John, avoid spoilers. Because, you know what, it's like, as... As an adult, as a kid, I loved spoilers. And I was like, yes, give me all of the spoilers. I want to know everything ahead of time. I'll try and download the movie so I can watch the first 10 minutes over and over because the rest won't download. Like, But now I, you know, I, I appreciate the movie. I appreciate stories being told in their, in their fullest, you know, completest extent. And I would, I, I'm excited to see what they do with it. They certainly, I mean, they have a banner cast and they potentially have good screenwriters. I don't see... You know, Orzo or, or Kurtz, Kurtz, I can't even say his last or, Orzo, name. Orzo, <laughs> first of all, Orzo's type of pasta. If pasta is writing the screenplay, we have many problems. I, <laughs> well, sometimes their lines end up being limp pasta. I, I just say Orzo and Risotto, I, it's really terrible Interesting. Yeah. I think Fusilli has done some excellent work. <laughs> <laughs> Only, But it's all in Italian, and it really just, you know, it, it doesn't survive the translation. Up. Yeah, his plots have great twists, though. The Fusilli <laughs> plots. Holds the man. sauce nicely. But um, bum. This this podcast has devolved. Now yeah, I. It's it, gotten late now. It all starts to make sense to me now because <laughs> I've been. You should you should be very very concerned right now. You should possibly <laughs> seek some sort of medical help. All right. Anything else we should talk about before we go? Uh, I my I just gonna want my capper on this movie is I I'm predicting <laughs> predicting my I'm predicting my response to it is going to be very similar to my response to the Star Trek <laughs> reboot but magnified because I'm not as invested in Star Trek as as some other people on this podcast but I do care about it you know a little bit and my reaction to the the first the Star Trek reboot was like I had. I had this thing that's like, this should be a really good movie, and I'm going to hold it to a higher standard because I really like this franchise, right? And I did that with the movie. And then what I found is when, you know, I, I had a little grudge, like, well, that wasn't a bad movie. It was actually pretty good, but it should have been a little bit better because, hey, it's Star Trek, right? And then I found on repeat watchings, I gave the movie a break, and I'm like, you know what? I really enjoy this. And the same thing with better. the second movie, like, I was able to, like, you know, and my attachment to Star Wars is even stronger. So it's probably, no matter how good this movie is, I'm going to be like, well, that was pretty good, but, and on repeat viewings, I think it'll be like, just relax. Just, you know, go with it. Like, just right. let go of, of your preconceived notions and how you think this has to be like Godfather Part 2 in space with lightsabers because <laughs> it's not going to be and just allow it to be because the Star Trek movies I maintain, like, there are things I don't like about them. I said sure. them on the podcast, but every time I rewatch them, They're I'm like, fun. you know what? I enjoyed watching that. And, like, every time I watch it, it gets better. That's not you know? a bad and, thing to have is to say, I would like this movie to be fun. I would like to enjoy this movie. Like... <laughs> Just that. Yeah. I mean, the worst thing that would happen for me is if they try to make this into, we are going to totally reinvent the Star Wars universe. Because, again, this was not designed to ever be groundbreaking taxi driver style 70s epic cinema. This was designed to be we're going to take the very, very classic warrior's journey and we're going to make this in the style of dogfight movies from the 1930s and republic serials and we're just going to deliver a lot of popcorn value for someone's 90 minutes worth of running time and my overall attitude is that i'm perfectly i'm i'm, I'm really looking forward to these movies because uh 
if it's a terrible movie, the first the, the movies that I still like will still be there. I will still be able to watch and like them. Mm-hmm. And there's always a chance that they'll be really, really good. And we have an advantage that a lot of other generations don't have, which is even if it's not a great movie, we get to reconnect with that part of our childhood that we treasure. And all of those influences that Star Wars had on us, both personally and from an entertainment value and how it shaped our word, worldview and every great memory that we have, that's going to be re-triggered and rekindled. And we're going to enjoy it, even a mediocre movie, the way that other uh, viewers are just mm-hmm. not going to be able to access. And, and Star, so, Star Trek worked on that level for me exactly, right? It's like yeah. pushing all these buttons that only that you know original set of characters could possibly push. And and I, I'm also reminded, um, I wanted to mention Serenity, not Caldwell, although I can mention you too. Um, the move, the Firefly uh, continuation film. I remember coming, and I've said this on the podcast before. My wife and I came out of that movie and said, "Boy, that was fun." I haven't seen a movie that was a sci-fi movie that was fun like that in a long time. And some of the Marvel movies are like that too. And and there there are other movies like that. But it's like I would like it to be fun, right? I would like it to be fun and 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 fun adventure. Yeah, we're going to have this burden of expectation where we're going to be like, oh, well, you know, it didn't do this and it didn't do that. And I don't know about that. But in the end, God, I would if I had to pick one thing for a new Star Wars movie to be, I would choose fun. Just if yeah. if, if if it's a fun ride and it doesn't check 20 different boxes and it isn't God, <laughs> Godfather in space, John, then, yeah, that's fine as long as it's enjoyable, fun and I leave the theater energized, right? Well, see, even the fun aspects of, like, in the Star Trek movie, like, I was holding against it the parts that I deemed not, didn't take it seriously enough. For example, like, there are parts of the Star Trek movies that are weak. I mean, the example from Into Darkness is, like, the bikini scene or whatever. But, like, in the first one, like, when his hand gets puffy, I was like, well, that that's a little bit too slapstick for Star Trek, right? And I still think that's not the best sequence in the movie. But now when I yeah. watch the movie, I, like... I don't hold that against it. I'm like, okay, well, here's the silly part. It's just Go a dumb, the silly, silly part. part because yeah. <laughs> because there are good parts. It, you know, like there are weaknesses in the movie, and like, and it's, I don't want to take those weaknesses and say, but you had this weakness, but you had this one thing that I think wasn't the the, the best choice, and it's like just. Just ignore that part. If the rest of the movie is good, like, I mean, there's, there are limits. Like, they can't put a Jar Jar level kind of disaster in the middle of their good movie. But I really just need to not get obsessed with the things that I know are wrong with the movie and just say, what about all the things that are right about the movie? Right. You know, what about the, the good parts? And, and especially in, like, in the, like, the original Star Trek reboot, when I rewatch it, I'm like, this opening sequence is unbelievable. Like, with the, the childbirth, it's like, yes, it's melodrama, it's ridiculous, it's a space opera. Like, yes, that's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. It takes itself seriously. It's beautifully shot. There's lots of lens, lens flares if you really like <laughs> those. You know, it's so, a really good lens, lens flares contain there. a coded message for yeah. you, John. No, you even, will love even this that, movie. like, on, on multiple viewings, I'm like, you know what? It's an obvious stylistic choice, and it's something interesting. It's a little bit different. If they use lens flares all over Star Wars, maybe I'll be pissed. But like, it's making choices, <laughs> and I think that's what it comes down to for a lot for good direction is making choices and not just being like the eh, let's do you know, let's uh, whatever whatever works. Let's, let's yeah. put a like, bunch of people on a couch against a green screen yeah. and shoot them talking yeah, for a while. It's making definitive choices. Sometimes those choices will be bad, but a lot of times they'll be good. So you know that's kind of what you got to go for. Yeah, almost certainly not. All right. I think this has been a good discussion about a movie that's not coming out for a year and a half. But, you know, <laughs> Star Wars is much on our minds. And uh, it's interesting to see this this news continue to progress. It is a funny thing to be 
in a world where Star Wars is an active franchise, actively shooting, you know, as we sit here or, or like in a week's time, you know, Harrison Ford will be acting in front of a camera as Han Solo. How crazy yes. is that? What? I don't believe it. I, li- yeah, I, I like the world that I live in right now. Yeah, yeah it's pretty great. I, and I look forward to being back with you guys here in like another six months as we like pick apart the miniature details of the trailer when it yeah. comes out. Yeah. Go to frame 987. That. Yeah, that's right. Now that's advance clearly one. a lightsaber no, handle that's being flung away. Zoom in and enhance. Yeah. All right. Well, I would like to thank my guests for joining me to talk about this. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. I enjoyed this. You guys are making me feel a lot more optimistic about this than I was before the call. So, <laughs> Win! So, so thank you. It's a victory. Yay. John Syracuse, thank you very much. We'll try to keep you unspoiled. Most Star Wars, more problems, Jason. <laughs> Boy, that, that's been true lately. So <laughs> let's hope that maybe fewer problems in the future. Dan Morin, thank you. I have a great feeling about this. Wow. Optimism. I like it. Andy Anatko, thank you. I know. <laughs> and Serenity Caldwell, thank you for being here. I I have no words. You have no words. All right. I have no words. I have no quotes. Just use the force. I'm done. Use the force. I will use the force to go to sleep and think of quotes. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to The Incomparable. Uh, this is Jason Still signing off. We'll talk to you next time. 